Welcome to the Watermelon Sandwich Podcast with your host, Michael Gallo, where we'll be digging deep into people's lives and find out their inner soul that helps them push forward in life. The Watermelon Sandwich is about simplicity, simple mindset, simple life, and simple soul. Thanks for listening in, and we look forward to connecting to our listeners in every way possible. Today's episode is brought to you by Camels Cross Farms. If you are seeking to connect to nature, experience an everlasting field of sunflowers, or get a taste of their organic farm-to-table experiences, this is the farm you need to visit. Camels Cross Farm is not your regular farm. It's a wellness farm. It has meditation, yoga, forest bathing, and physical fitness, and including wellness events. Their goal is for people to reconnect with themselves and who they are through connecting through nature. Check them out at www.camelscrossfarms.com or visit their Instagram at camelscrossfarm to keep updates on their upcoming events. And don't forget to ask for the watermelon sandwich. All right. Hey, everyone. How's it going on the Watermelon Sandwich podcast? A funny name as people are always asking why that name is there. But we have a special guest today and I'm excited to uh, introduce uh, Andrea Sedell. Uh, a funny story, really. How how do I even come across as we were just talking about this before we started the show is uh, it was just years ago and I was looking into writing my own book and I was writing it. And uh, she's uh, a local in uh, the area where I live. And uh, over the years, I've been uh, following her progress and everything. And I just noticed that, uh, you know, this is something that I think our guests uh, would love to hear. Uh, A strong, inspirational woman. Um, Obviously, she's a publisher. She's a writer. She has her own podcast. And she's really, in my eyes, a life coach for people who have gone through struggles and who need to learn about resilience and overcoming obstacles in their life. So uh, thanks, Andrea, for coming on the show. Ah, thank you so much, Michael, for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah. So you know what? For obviously for our guests, the first question I always ask is, who is Andrea Sedell? Oh, well, <laughs> I always say that's such a funny question. Like who, who are you when nobody's looking right? And mm-hmm. usually if nobody's looking, I'm probably dancing around to some music and I'm reading books and, you know, just enjoying learning. My top character strength is the love of learning. So I, I, as you can tell, I'm a book lover. I love to read and anything to do with books. So that's really who I am. I'm also a mom of two. And yeah, and so everything that really inspires me and infuses me is things to do with resilience and positive psychology and things like that and helping others, right? Learn, grow, awesome. share. <laughs> yeah, awesome. And, and you know what? It's, it's interesting because a lot of people, when they learn the idea of helping others, you value so much from it, but really that's just a, a glimpse of who you are, but how did you end up like, well, how, how do you become a book writer? Like, how did this all happen? Uh, well, yeah. So it's so interesting because what started as more like a workshop, 
um, I started like creating workshops and then I had a handout for my workshop and then I started making it into little booklets and then I started making it into bigger books. And then I, and that's how the whole publishing thing started. Um, but the other thing is, is uh, simultaneously, I had created a magazine at the same time, a local magazine in the community. And so I created a publishing company. And so simultaneously, I was helping people ghostwrite books. I was writing my own book. And then um, what was happening was, is I'd often help people write their books and turn their pain into purpose or share their knowledge and their experience. And then what was happening is it's really challenging to get published through traditional publishing routes. And, but there's huge credibility there. There's lots of benefits. But then there's, you know, some people didn't want to have their books published from self-publishing because they, they're sort of frowned upon in the industry. So that's how I created a hybrid publishing option where you can still have the credibility of a traditional publishing house um, and you can still get your book fast to market and retain all the royalties yourself. So I created this hybrid publishing company more out of necessity because I believe that books change lives and I was helping so many people write these their books and you know they're sharing their hard-earned knowledge as well as their their experience um and the written word needed to get out to other people so so that is how it all started um in terms of the publishing world oh wow and you know what it's funny because uh one of the things that i would say you have two kids uh i'm not sure how old they are but reading is you know, the idea of the paperback book back here, like I have lots of books back here. Uh, I'm a bit, a bit, I'm a very uh, big avid reader, actually, at my young age, definitely was not a reader, but turn into it because, you know, it sounds like you're helping people in every, I guess, all kinds of ways. You're helping them uh, by writing the book, you're helping by getting the message out, because at the end of the day, everyone has a story to tell. And everyone's story could inspire others without you even knowing, right? Like, example is us too. I don't even, you don't know me and I don't really know you, <laughs> but now that we've connected, do you have a story to tell? So, you know, you have your book and what was your first book you ever wrote? Well, the first book I, I did was live life happy one day at a time, which is ironic because I wrote that so long ago. It's not in print anymore. I've pulled it and I'm republishing it actually right now. And, yeah. um, and it's, it's funny because like, that was one of the first books that I wrote, but it's, it's actually my tagline. It's the name of my, my publishing company. It's like, it's, it's so interesting that what you, you know, what you start in so long ago, it like, it, it ends up morphing into something that you so believe in. And it's so interesting because it, I actually haven't been asked that question in so long. Like, what was my first book? It's like, oh my gosh, what was my first book? Cause I've written like, you know, over 12 books of my own. And that is so interesting that right now, as we speak, I'm reauthoring that book, which is so oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah. It's so it's so crazy that you asked me that. And so, yeah, that was <laughs> the first book. That was the first book I wrote. And I so agree with you. Books change lives. Even if you just touch one person, um, it's amazing. Yeah. And, that, and that's the important thing about it. And then, you know, when you're writing your books, is there a process that you have or is there a goal that you have? why you're writing these books or is it just because your life experiences have led to this this book writing yeah so if you're asking me that personally yes every single book that i've written is 
usually because of something I've gone through in my own life. And I've turned pain into purpose. And I've used my education and my training in psychology and postgraduate training in positive psychology and resiliency to help people go through similar struggles. Because let's face it, life is going to throw struggles at us. Like, you know, we're not immune to challenge. And the idea that, you know, that someone else might be going through something similar um, or having a tough time at something like maybe divorce. Like I have a book on divorce. I have a book. um, My most recent book is saving you is killing me loving someone with an addiction. I did struggle with loving someone with an addiction and, um, and it's a life of turmoil. So I knew that I needed to turn that pain into purpose and help other people that might be going through a similar struggle. Because even if I reach, you know, one, two, three people um, with resiliency tools that can help them bounce back better, um, then I, you know, it's so worth it. It's, 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 it's amazing how it can help and impact so many other people. Wow. And, and when you say resilience tools, what kind of tools are we talking about? Because that there's, I think people are looking for those kind of answers because especially during this time of our life, as you know, uh, challenging time in our world today, although internationally with COVID and everything, mm-hmm. what are some resilience tools that you have come up with over all these years of going through your hurdles and challenges in life, just like a lot of people do uh, in different situations? What are, what, are, what are some of these tools you're, you're talking about? Yeah, well, there are so many scientifically backed, proven resiliency strategies. Um, and let's face it, we can't t- change our genes and some, we can't change our circumstances, but there are intentional behaviors that we can do to influence our life. And we are all wired to bounce back. We are all wired to be resilient. So think about it like when you break a bone, right? Your bone repairs itself, but it actually adds extra padding or extra cartilage and extra bone when we break something. So we not only just like our bone, we are definitely built to be resilient and to bounce back better than we were even before. And so these resilience is all about the science of well-being and optimal human flourishing, Um, not pretending bad things don't happen. It's all about acknowledging that there will be struggle. And here are science-based, evidence-based strategies that can help you bounce back better. And so some of those are, you know, self-awareness, like thinking about your thinking. In positive psychology, we call it metacognition. So it's like, you know, you think about your thoughts. It's like, um, how is that thought making me feel, right? And then what's a better feeling thought? So self-awareness is a really important tool. And also just the permission to feel, permission to acknowledge that you are human and you are having a whole gamut of emotions and those emotions are communicating with you and telling you something. There's leveraging positivity. So trying to experience more positive emotions because we have what's called this negativity bias where our brains are wired to notice the negative in our lives because that keeps us safe, right? It's meant to, we're meant to try and like, you know, evolve and like stay alive. So we're wired to notice the negative, but we can offset that with positive emotions. So that's leveraging positivity by using using gratitude, savoring, self-love, appreciation, things like that. 
there's also the whole concept of self-compassion, right? Like offering yourself kindness and practicing self-compassion and get, being your own best friend and quieting that inner critic. And I mean, there's so many tools of resilience out there and there's so many things that you can do, um, including vitality and self-care and like, you know, taking care of yourself. I could go yeah, on for I, hours, obviously. <laughs> no, but yeah, but you know what? You're saying some good points because one of the, one of the, the biggest things I found during this COVID time, I call it, or whatever you want to call it. Um, in some ways I look at it as a blessing uh, because it seems like self-awareness is becoming, it's, it's becoming, it's at the forefront now because you don't, you're not on momentum anymore. You're not going to the store, bringing your kids to hockey or whatever you do in your life. We're used to go, go, go. Where now the kind of the world has been put to a pause and now you're like, wait a minute, that's me in the mirror. So now I, I got to do something now because I'm not feeling good because these, you know, on previous podcasts I've talked a few times is that, you know, one of the things we do is we fill out our, you know, our self-awareness. We're never aware of ourselves. Um, sometimes that we fill it with these, you know, these things that we do, for example, watch a movie and we're not really you know, aware of what we're doing or thinking or watching. We're just kind of going through the punches, going through the rolls and just, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? So one of the big things today, and if you want to get into that part is, you know, you did say about it, self-love. And I've always had controversy about that topic, but as a woman and as a mother, how do you play that in your life? But how do you, you know, challenge yourself with that vulnerability of that, you know, being that mother figure and then also taking care of yourself. Cause I find a lot of mothers who, you know, of course, un unconditionally love their children and in most situations are always, you know, there a lot more sometimes than the husbands uh, in say a uh, typical situation and, 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 and my wife, she works, we both work. So not the, uh, and I guess typical situation, but most mothers, how do you take care of yourself when they always, the mothers are always putting their children first all the time, not saying that those dads don't, but if you understand what I'm saying, you're a mother, you'll have a better perspective than me. I also don't want to eat my words here, but <laughs> what do you think? Oh my God. There's so much goodness in what you said. So the whole concept of, um, struggling well um, comes up for me and how you were saying like one of the elements of going through all this crisis and the, and going through challenge it, it it forces you actually to take a good look at your life and yourself and it, it it actually puts you into an opportunity for growth and actually um there's this book called struggle well and it's one of my favorite books and it's all about the idea that we can actually have growth and we good things can come out of struggle and so we can we can go through struggle and we can struggle well and it's in, in positive psychology it's called post-traumatic growth so it's actually when we go through 
crisis, we can actually have growth. And, and science has proven actually that we do bounce back better and we do have um, wonderful things that actually are birthed out of struggle. And so one of those things is the piece that you had said is exactly that. It forces you to take a hard look at your life and reevaluate how things are and, and what is it that you can do to advocate for yourself and take back your power and, and be resilient. Um, what connections can you make? You know, what, what new opportunities um, are presenting themselves to you? So it's, it's really beautiful that, that something, it, sometimes when you're in the muck, it's hard to think, okay, like what's going to come out of this, right? But it's yeah. amazing how um, a lot of good things come out of struggle. And, and that's the, one of the pieces that you brought up there is like taking a hard, good look at yourself and your life and like, um, and allowing it to be a new opportunity. Um, in terms of the self-care, it's that expression. You can't pour from an empty cup. You know, you, you have to put your oxygen mask on before you put someone else, someone else's on, right? There else you can't, right? If you're, if you're and exactly this whole book that I just wrote, saving you is killing me, loving someone with an addiction. It, that is exactly what happens when you love someone with an addiction, you're, you become so obsessed with trying to save them that you end up losing yourself. So self-care is one of those pieces that are, is so essential that you must advocate for yourself because if you don't, then you are going to be depleted. You're going to be exhausted. You are not going to be able to show up in a way that can have a positive impact on those around you. And so it's really about saving yourself. It's about self-care is, is not selfish. It's not just about doing your nails and making your hair pretty. There's so much more to self-care. It's um, advocating for yourself. It's creating boundaries of what you, you value and what you know you're going to allow and not allow in your life. Um, self-care is about, um, looking after yourself mentally, physically. So, you know, like it's eating healthy, getting lots of sleep, getting out into nature, fresh air, meditating, breathing, um, connecting with great friends as part of self-care. Like there's so many, um, reasons it's so important, like, cause you want to avoid you. If you don't look after yourself, you're going to go to a place of exhaustion, depletion, um, and so it's really, it's, it's a really practical tool, self-care to help you gain, regain your power. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because it, it, I know people and, uh, myself included at times, sometimes you feel guilty that you're taking care of yourself and it's, and you're giving service to others all the time, but you're doing it because you want to do it. You're not expecting anything in return, but you know. I, I guess you're, you're saying it right. And the, the, the truth is that, and I could be wrong. Um, and I, I would love to hear you, what you think is that, you know, if you don't love yourself, it's going to be very difficult to love others because, you know, if you don't know that you, it's going to be very hard to love others in, the, in that case. So, but then I've had others discuss the opposite, you know, the, if the, the act of service shows true love. So where do you find the balance of, you know, you're giving service to others to, to learn what love is about, you know, you've heard people have said it, talked about it. If you want to learn how to feel like a million bucks and feel great, help other people. You'll never get a more gratifying feeling than when you help other people uh, in anything. But then how do you balance that with 
taking care of yourself. So what's your thoughts on that little controversial mm-hmm. topic? So we're talking about kind of two, two, this is such a good question. We're yeah. kind of talking about two different things, right? So self-care is a form of self-love. So self-care is doing all those things to care for yourself. It's like setting boundaries. It's eating healthy. It's going to sleep at a good time. It's, you know, nurturing yourself on many levels, getting out in nature. That's like self-care. Self-love is a piece of self-compassion. It's all about giving yourself that kind regard of um, acknowledging your feelings. It's about honoring, you know, you're giving yourself permission to be human. So you're not mean to yourself. In other words, like that inner critic often comes up. It's like, Andrea, you're doing that dumb thing again when you do this, right? It's like, like, (laughs) who are you to write a book? Like, what are you thinking? Like, so this, the, um, this inner critic tends to come up. So self-compassion is a form of self-love as well. It's about respecting yourself enough to give yourself loving kindness and acknowledging that um, common humanity that we are human. Give yourself permission to be human. We all make mistakes. Perfection is an illusion. And just um, quieting and talking back to that inner critic in a loving way. I always say like, talk to yourself like you would talk, like, you know, like you would talk to your daughter. Like some of the things that we say to ourselves, oh my gosh, like you would never say that to your best friends, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So self-love is like that piece of self-love is, is also turning inward and offering yourself compassion and self-care as well. Oh, and I love that you brought up be of service because being of service is actually one of the strategies to help you struggle well. So when you are going through struggles, one of the strategies to help you with challenge and struggle in your life is to, um, again, turn that pain into purpose is to be of service. And so throughout history, right, we've seen like Martin Luther King or, you know, the examples like that of people who are being of service. It really is a beautiful way that you can enhance your well-being. And science has shown that when we have acts of kindness and gestures of kindness and acts of even listening and and things like that, um, it really does. It takes us away from our own inner critic and our own, you know, world of what's going on for us. And it allows us to support others. And it actually feeds us on such a deep level with human connections as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. And and I like the fact that you said that the service is going to help you through those struggles mm, because, yeah. you know, that, that act, that idea of helping others or helping people in general uh, helps you through that struggle because I guess it gives you a different, um, it brings you to a different mindset when you're doing the act, of course, and then it brings you a different level of thinking, I guess. You know, one of the things that you did say that I liked you did say is that um, about perfection is an illusion. So a lot of people have, you know, people have struggles, you know, listeners, uh, myself in certain regards, I'm not, I'm not much of a perfectionist. That could be a a bonus of myself. Um, uh, But really, you know, people don't attempt things in their life because it's not going the right way um, or it's not going the way they think it should, or it could be simple as they paint the wall and they're not too happy with it. Cause it doesn't look like that, you know, or, uh, or you you're going out one night and you dress a certain way and it, you know, how do we as humans overcome this obstacle, this illusion, a hundred percent agree with you that of perfectionism. It's like, 
I think about the most creative things that have been created in our world, the most inspirational people in the world were not thinking about perfectionism when they were had that idea. They weren't thinking of perfectionism when they wrote that book like yourself. So what, what's your perspective on Oh, it's that. such a, it's a, such a good topic because oftentimes as a writing coach, when people come to me, one of the things that they struggle with is perfectionism. They think they're, they need to be really good writers or their book has to be perfect. And I always say done is better. Okay. So hold on disclaimer here. All the perfectionists are listening in. They're not going to like what I'm about to say. <laughs> well, there's a lot of them. I'll tell you that now. Yes. So done is, is better than, is better than good or perfect done is better than perfect. So when I work with my clients, it's the idea here is we want to keep the ball rolling and you, you don't want perfection to paralyze you. And so what happens is oftentimes when we think something needs to be perfect and we want it to be a plus work and it's paralyzing them. The reality is, is that we're all human. We all will make mistakes. We all will, you know, have less than perfect writing. We like, we're all human here. So the reality is, is that you don't want to to hold you back because for example, if you wanted to write a book and you thought it needed to be perfect, your words are not going to get out to the world if you get trapped in that perfectionism box. And so I always say, well, we're working with my clients too, is I say, well, B minus work is all we're going for here because we don't want to lose that creativity. We want to keep it going. We want to keep the, keep one foot in front of the other, keep moving forward towards their goals. And so B minus work is great. It gets it done. And then I always say, we'll make it a plus work by the time it goes to publishing, but at least we can get, you know, I always say squeeze out their brains and, and get that B minus work going so that it, it doesn't paralyze them. And then also managing expectations is really important when it comes to perfectionism. If you're expecting things to be a certain way, um, then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. So the idea here is to manage your expectations around it. And I think that's as soon as I like I say at the beginning and like, okay, we're looking for B minus work here, not A plus work. So just like, you know, dump it out, dump out all that brain brain dump and we'll just organize and edit. Like there's no rules here, like no, you know, no perfectionism. So yeah. that's, that's kind of how I've, you know, gotten around it. And for me too, like I, I still find occasional errors in some of the books that I've published. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And you know what? Thank you. Permission to be human. Right. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll fix it up and you know, I can keep helping people with the words in my, in my books. Yeah. And it's so interesting because you know, you, you said, I loved what you said when you said uh, paralyzed you know, perfectionism is, you know, you become paralyzed to the point that you don't even attempt that dream. You don't attempt that goal. You don't attempt that thing that you want to do because that vision you had in your head or that idea or those words you had in your head are not coming out on paper or they're not coming out on a, something you're building or whatever the case may be, get your education. It doesn't matter. But I, I, I totally agree with you on the idea of just, just do, you know, get it done. And then from there you grow, right? And I, I, and one of the things I could maybe lean towards on this, you know, just going for snowballing from here is that, you know, I was writing little notes as you're, you're, uh, you're speaking. And I said, you know, where does the ego come and play? You know, egos, you know, I found that today because of social media, meditation and uh, all this connecting to earth has really come into play as we talked about before, because people are at a pause in their life right now, but this ego 
we can call it, um, or you can call it whatever you like. I don't even know the proper psychology term to it. If it's super ego or if it's ego, I'm not sure. <laughs> but where does this come into play into perfectionism? Where does it come into people's lives when it comes to being resilient? You know, one of the things you'd spoke about was resilience. And this is important. You know, this has to do with not being a perfectionist. It's just being resilient to take the challenges. So what, what's your perspective on that? Mm, such a good question. So what comes up for me right away too, is when you were talking about perfectionism is this element of fear. Usually it's a fear of being judged or a fear of failure. Um, so, so isolating those typical, like what might be getting in the way, like, what are you afraid of? And in positive psychology, we have this, this like little thing that really does work. It's, it's, we tend to what if, like, what if I fail or what if someone judges me or what if I'm not accepted, right? We don't want to get ostracized and we don't want to feel left out. So sometimes that perfectionism um, paralyzes us because we're fearful that we, someone might judge us or we may not measure up or we might, um, that imposter syndrome creeps in and things like that. So um, the idea is, is that we want to recognize that it's, it's fear that kind of underlines, underlies that, that perfectionism. And, um, and I like how you brought this element of ego into it and ego when, when we are getting kind of um, lost in that, that idea of ego, it's, it, it means that we're kind of separating ourselves from humanity. And all I can say in, in the positive psychology world is that um, it's so important to recognize that our human connections are huge, that give yourself like compassion is really key that dissolves this idea of ego. I'm better than you one-upmanship and all these things. Social comparison um, is like when you start moving into ego and judgment. So the best thing you can do is just approach life with a growth mindset and kind of look at things like a, about learning and growing and, and compassion and understanding, because the reality is we're all human. Nobody, we all, I always say we all breathe the same air, you know? And um, so the reality is, is that practicing self-compassion and compassion, recognizing that give everybody permission to be human. So being compassionate with yourself, but also with others. And, and what that does is kind of, it, it gets rid of that hierarchy or gets rid of like putting people up on a pedestal, right? We are all human and we're all, you know, doing our best and give everybody permission to be human and show up. It's like, aha, I saw her do this, this, this. And, you know, it's like yeah. none of that. It's like, okay, oh my gosh, like that must've been challenging for her. I can only imagine what that might've been like, or, you know, just this, we're all in this together kind of thing. It's like, we're all human. And then that yeah. would be what I would say about the ego. Yeah. And you know what? You're right. Because one of the things that you really hit me with was the one of the books that reminds me of this is uh anthony DeMello's book awareness i don't know if you've ever read that one uh it's a really good book and on his gravestone um that he passed away it says all it says is all is well all is well and what he was trying to say is that one of the things that you say ego is you basically leave your human experience and you already talked about uh, you already talked about it and self self-awareness. So when you're aware of your thoughts, you're aware of the things that you're doing. And one, and one podcast I did listen to uh, on the road today actually was uh, Jay Shetty's podcast with Will Smith uh, just came out 
And one of the things Will Smith was talking about is this, you know, this idea of being this top, you know, selling artist, uh, movie star, all this stuff. It was great. He had this, it was ingrained to him to live at a certain level because the way he was brought up, but there was no compassion. He was losing his family. There was no love. There was no understanding that people have emotions. Like, you know, these people are sad. They're not happy. He didn't understand it because he was just trying to reach, trying to get the flag onto the mountain, as he was saying. Right. Mm -hmm. But one of the things he brought, brought up was, is that it's like, you have a choice in life is you live with love and kindness or you live with that really competitive nature. And that's what the world is assuming that you have to live like this to be successful. But he, he was pretty much saying that you don't, he's gotten to a level of understanding and you're kind of, you're trying to, you're kind of leaning towards that in a way of a growth mindset. You know, what you do is like a growth mindset. Yeah, it's like 100% becoming more a learner and stay curious instead of moving into that place of judgment. Um, and I, I love that. Like the Carol Dweck's work on the mindset is incredible. Like you're either, you have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. Like, um, so the growth mindset is being open to learning and opportunity and possibility and recognizing that, um, if you, if you notice yourself moving into a judger, like a judger path, and you're like judging people, um, you can, you can change your pathway. You can instantly move yourself to become more of a learner and, and curious. And the idea here is to focus more on becoming curious. Instead of judging someone, you can move out of ego and you can move into a place of a learner. It's like, hmm, I wonder what it's like to be that, or that's interesting. Um, curiosity moves you to a more loving place and um, a place that's um, positioning yourself and you can nurture this curiosity and you can explore this more. And it's really good because practicing that growth mindset is it's where you recognize that you're a work in progress, but so is everybody else. And yeah. it, it, it brings that element and that sense of self-compassion, which is so good. And then the other piece is just to love hard. Like, uh, you know what? Move away from comparing yourself to other people. I always say, if you're going to compare yourself, compare yourself for inspiration, not yeah. to see who's better or to, for a measurement on a stick. It's like, and, and I love getting so excited for someone else when they're successful. And I always say your success is my success. Like, because it's like, you can love hard on people and have that wonderful compassion for what other people are going through. I think that's really key. And then adopt that, that growth mindset and that curious mindset. So essential. Yeah. And, and I love how you say curiosity because curiosity reminds me of a child, a child, you know, my son will go outside and he'll play. We live in the country here and he'll, he'll play on the rocks and, and the driveway for sometimes an hour and a half. Cause he's just so curious of the things he's touching and learning. And they're it's a, a child is in a growth mindset, a young child. That's what I see. Right. And it's like, it, it's really curiosity is the idea of, to me, it's like fun, right? It's exciting. It's it's and, and the idea you say inspiring to grow it's, you know, learning to be inspired to grow. It, it's a really good advice that you're giving here for people when they listen and for myself included. Um, and I think that's an important, uh, aspect that you're bringing about here and one of the things that you know we speak about on this podcast is um you talked about your personal life briefly you talked about you know your 
things that you've gone through that have led you to writing your books and publishing. Uh, one of the things we like to talk about is health and well-being. Uh, like, what you know, you spoke about health and wellness. Like, what do you do as a routine? What is a, a daily routine for Andrew? You get up in the morning, you do a backflip. What do you do? <laughs> Essentially, yes. Yeah. Um, well, actually, you know what's so cool is that I I personally love rituals. And I find, and I, I almost, they're called rituals or rules to live by. And so what happens for me is I, I create these rituals and rules to live by. So like, for example, um, I just don't eat sugar. Like I just don't do sugar. So it's a rule that I live by. It makes it really easy for me because it's just like something that I just, I don't consume it. Like, you know, it's just like, it's, it's my rule or, you know, you could create a ritual and I love um, sleep hygiene. So I love you know, starting my bedtime ritual. I like, I like going for a fresh air and having a power walk. I love coming into the house and doing some yoga and maybe doing some transcendental meditation before bed. Um, it really helps calm me and helps me, you know, I wake up and I have a ritual. I always ask myself, I take a couple deep breaths. I allow myself just to settle in bed. And I, I ask myself, what am I feeling? What am I needing? What am I wanting? And that allows me just to take that silence and that moment to check in with myself. And the, I always have the answers. I, we always have the answers within us, right? If you ask that in any given time, it's like, what am I feeling? Huh. Right. If you're saying I'm feeling exhausted, I'm like, okay, well, what am I needing? Well, I'm needing rest, or maybe I'm needing a, a change of scenery out in nature and going for a hike. Maybe I need some novelty, try something new in my life. Or, you know, it's really cool how when you get quiet, you ask, what am I needing, feeling, and wanting? Because sometimes we want something too, right? Um, so those are rituals that I do. I practice yoga all the time. It's a way of life for me. And I walk every day pretty much with my dog. And I, I actually try to get fresh air every day as well, because it just feels so good. And I call it recycling my lungs. Like you breathe that fresh air is so nice. Um, there's so many, there's so many, I, I drink water as soon as I wake up in a little glass of room temperature water, cause I can drink it, like chug it. Um, yeah, yeah there's, there's lots of like well being is it's like a muscle, right? If you create rituals and you create systems, um, I find that it really does help, you know, put, put them, put them into practice. Yeah. And that, and that's a good way of putting about that. You speak a lot, a lot of things that I know I, myself does my, my wife though. And, uh, it is important because it, it's kind of gives you the energy for the day or it's your, it's your booster of the day that, you know, when you do these rituals, you're only doing rituals that make you feel good because some rituals that people have, it could be smoking a cigarette. It could be having a little drink and stuff like that. So you're picking very proactive rituals that have, you know, both one scientific and one beneficial results for yourself and for your well-being for the day. And one of the things that, and uh, I, I, you probably don't even know what the, why the podcast is called the watermelon sandwich, but we can get into that later, but one of the things about health and well-being, one of the things we are, you know, pretty uh, uh, pro big proponents on the farm is food. Uh, one of the things we do is we have an organic uh, vegetable patch here, and uh, we do farm to tables where people come and eat um, at a certain time of the year. That we have chefs prepare, and they eat out here with the food we grow and locally sourced food. Yay. But you know, obviously food is a, I would say, you know, in your uh, aspect and your mindset on life, food 
is probably a big part of your life. You know, how has food played a role in your life and how do you, you know, the, the fact that you say you eat no sugar is inspirational because a lot of people uh, can't stay away from that. <laughs> but uh, how do you do it and how do you, how does food play a big part of your life? Yeah, well, I absolutely 100% love the power of food for your well-being. It's it's part of the vitality piece when it comes to positive psychology and um, self-care practice is what we're nourishing our bodies with, um, you know, cause what we put into our body, we ingest, it becomes us essentially. And so, um, I just, I, I don't like how I feel when I eat sugar, I get, you know, all, all the stuff that comes with, you know, a high sugar diet. Um, and so I just made it a personal choice. I feel better when I'm not uh, eating sugar. So it's just a matter of creating that as a, a, a rule to live by, because I know that, that that's really great for uh, motivation is when you have these rules to live by. And um, I like how you brought up the fact of the, the power of food. So yeah, I eat mostly alive foods so of food that's um, alive, considered alive, like has life force still in it. Like, yeah raw vegetables, fruit. Um, I don't follow any diet actually. I just like, I, I eat what I feel like eating generally. It's like, what would I, what do I, what would I love to eat right now? And yeah. usually you're, if you are in tune, you can hear like what it is that like your body's recommending. Um, I can't say that I'm always perfect when it comes to not having sugar, right? Like my boyfriend the other day got me cheesecake because I used to love cheesecake and bless him. He's so sweet. And that's like so nice of him to bring me a quote unquote celebration cheesecake. I'm like, yeah. don't ever do that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm going to eat this because it's really good. But yeah. um, it's just my rule to live by is this. So then I, you know, and so, yeah, I think that it's, um, I think that food and vitality with the food that we choose is really, really important. That's so great that you offer that service and, you know, you provide a lot of foods for your, at your farm as well. Yeah. And, and I think it's important that we do it because we do it to educate uh, people and youth that, you know, wholesome, good food is, in, is important for your energy and your life. And, uh, you know, I love that you talked about self-care, self-awareness, um, and really a growth mindset and positivity and, and all this stuff. And I, I'm excited. So, and you have a new book and what's it called again? Yeah. My latest book is called saving you is killing me loving someone with an addiction. It's all about taking back your power, finding the courage to focus on you. Um, and it's filled with resiliency skills. So if you're, if you're not, you know, loving someone who's caught in the grips of addiction, um, this book could still benefit from, you could still benefit from it because it's all resiliency skills. It's all about taking back your power. It could even be compassion fatigue. If you're caring for, you know, and someone who is not well in your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my newest one that's coming out next month is called live life happy one day at a time. And it's just a perpetual calendar for support. Oh. Wow. So you know what? Those are two books that I'm definitely going to get. Uh, I'm a big avid reader. Actually, during this whole COVID time, I was already a big reader. Uh, people were getting little knickknacks on um, on Amazon. I was getting books. I think I bought, like my wife, Josie, had to say, okay, you're gonna, you have to stop. This is bad. Like you're getting a lot of books. And I, I must have got over 50 books. I must have bought over 50 books. Uh, and I'm reading through them like like it's going through, it's out of style. And then uh, I just love reading, especially the ones that I'm reading about. 
uh, obviously self-help and inspirational books. And, you know, one of the things, you know, near the end, we're near the end of the podcast now, but one of the things that uh, the watermelon sandwich is about simplicity. So just a brief narrative of it. So you understand is that the watermelon sandwich is basically uh, my grandmother's sandwich. Uh, she just put a piece of bread and watermelon in it. So through family uh, advice and help, we, we decided to bring that sandwich to the farm. It kind of started as a little bit of a joke, but it also became the staple of the farm. <laughs> so it turned out into that, but the idea behind it, why I wanted to do it was because it's simple. We're talking about a time when immigrants came from Europe and they came over and they didn't have a lot of money. So they had to think of a simple way. So one of the things the watermelon sandwich is about is a simple mindset a simple soul and a simple life. What kind of simple phrase or simple advice that you can give to our audience that would give them that little push or a little life? Who knows? You might be able to plant the seed. And like you said, if you reach one, if you reach two, if you reach four, that's more than zero, right? What kind of simple advice could you give about life? Well, first of all, that's a beautiful story. I love it. And um, I, I do try to live by like, you know, if, and often with my coaching clients, I think if it were simple, what would it look like? It's yeah. such a good, you know, question. So I, I really value that that's your common thread. And, and I thank you for sharing that story. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, so I think my main message would be that every day may not be good, but there is something good in every day. So that really acknowledges the idea that we will be presented with challenge. We will be presented with struggle, but we are resilient and, and there are blessings and opportunities for growth and learning and connections. And, and we can struggle well, and we can actually use a lot of these resiliency tools, such as appreciation, savoring, and gratitude to really, you know, spot strengths and, and opportunities in each day. So every day may not be good, but there is something good in every day would be my, my main message. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Um, you know what? So you know what, Andrea, we're at the end of our podcast today. And I, I just want to thank you uh, so much for being a guest, taking the time out of your day to talk and chat. Uh, we'll have this live probably by the end of this week up online. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, also, you know, everyone should be buying her book, Live Life Happy is the new edition that's coming out. And the, and the, and the one that you have brand new is out, it's called yeah, that one saving you is killing me loving someone with an addiction. It's all on my website. And can I'm you get it on Amazon? Yeah, it's all on Amazon, all the bookstores, your local independent bookstores as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you can reach her at Andrea Sedell. That's Andrea, A-N-D-R-E-A-S-E-Y-D-E-L.com. And she has a beautiful website and lots of information. If you're looking to publish a book, She's the one you want to call because she's obviously is successful what she does and uh, exciting. So, yeah, thanks a lot, Andrea. And I appreciate uh, for this great podcast. Can't wait to launch it. Uh, and thank you so much, Michael, for having me. I really appreciate it. All right.